Hello, Guilty Feminist. This is Deborah. We're heading off to Australia and New Zealand, where we will be appearing live and recording an episode in Christchurch on the 11th of May, Auckland on the 14th of May, Wellington on the 15th of May, Adelaide on the 18th of May, Perth on the 20th, Sydney on the 23rd, Melbourne on the 25th, Brisbane on the 27th, and finally Canberra on the 28th of May. So get in and get your tickets now. They are going very fast. Please go to guiltyfeminist.com and just click on live shows for any of these events. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm a feminist, but I had a delay in my O-1 working visa, which meant I wasn't sure if I was allowed to come to the United States of America to do this show till yesterday morning. So when the visa people called half an hour before I had to go to the airport to give me the exact logistics of how to collect it, which were complicated, I was so close to hysteria, I said to the man on the phone these exact words. I said to him, please don't tell me, please tell my husband I don't trust myself. <laughs> Verbatim, I said that. But to be fair to me, I'm very poor at logistics and anything to do with direction. I can't... I know it's a cliche that women haven't got spatial skills, but I do not have two spatial skills to rub together. So if I said the feminist thing, which is sure, I'll find it, I would not be here now. So... Because I wouldn't have the visa. So do you want me to be feminist or in New York City? Choose. <laughs> Okay, mine goes with yours. Um, I'm a feminist, but if I'm pulled over by the police, I become a caricature of Marilyn Monroe. 
I'm like, speeding? Who, me? Oh, officer, usually my husband drives. You're not gonna cuff me, are you? And um, to tell you the truth, actually, to tell you the truth, I once, um, <coughs> I have many layers. Um, to tell you the truth, I once, uh, I once got out of a ticket because I told a cop that I would, this is bad. I told a cop that I was a comedian and I said, if I can make you laugh, will you let me go? And he said yes, and so I, knowing my audience, told him a very misogynistic joke. And I'm guilty of that, and I'm gonna tell you the joke right now. Please, It's very please. simple. Yes. <laughs> and um, this is my last night performing, obviously. <laughs> so, good to see, it's been fun. It does, it does been... sound like a one-way ticket to Cancel Town. <laughs> uh, Cancel Town. <laughs> Cancel Town is, oh my God, that's a we... Tell us the joke. Sorry? Tell us. <laughs> Um, Finish the white privilege story before you <laughs> Yeah, <on>. truly. <laughs> so, awful. Very bad. Um, I said, uh, why did God make man before woman? Why? Because he didn't want any advice. <laughs> and... Don't, and did, did you accidentally laugh at that? Because that is appalling. <laughs> and, uh, guys, I got to tell you, he let me go, which... Which you guys still are not okay with. And no. I am understanding of that. But I feel like if I were to have got the ticket, that would just be less money in my bank. There's no excuse. No. They're really, they're really, it's a terrible story of white privilege. It and is. You should be very ashamed. And but I that's am. why you come here to exfoliate. Right. I am a feminist, but when I got on the plane to come to New York yesterday, I was sitting right by the emergency plane door. So like, I could have opened it mid-flight. There was nothing but this huge handle. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh, wow. And the man sitting next to me honestly said, don't worry, if there's an emergency, I'll handle it. <laughs> he genuinely said it, and he said it like that. And I was like, knock yourself out, mate. Like, I, was like, I was like, please do. It's like, if this plane crashes into the Atlantic, by all means, take responsibility for the hundreds of screaming passengers trying to get out. Because, frankly, with the hit I'm taking on the pay gap, this is your job. Right. This is your job. I don't give a fuck. And in fact, I'm going to take that emergency door and I'm going to float on it, and you are not going to share any of it. <laughs> have you seen the representation that women still don't have? You don't get to be on my door. When we get equal representation and equal pay, you can share the door. Up until then, you can freeze to death while I tell you romantic things. That's, I'm fine with it. I'm so fine with it. I'm a feminist, but once I was on a job interview and I introduced myself to the man interviewing me and I said, hello, my name is Hannah. And he said, Anna. And I said, that'll work. <laughs> And um, Anna got two promotions, so. <laughs> she knew what she was doing, staff member of the month. I'm a feminist, but the hotel I'm staying in here in New York uh, has a convention center. And yeah, let's hear it for convention centers. And uh, <laughs> the elevator doors opened on this floor today when I was going down to get coffee. And 
there, it was like a modeling convention. It was like the sign said, come and be discovered. And there were all these children getting out of the lift. And before you think that I am infantilizing sylph-like women, they were children. They all had a guardian or a parent with them. They were actual children. And they were all like 14, 15, 16, and they were there to be discovered. The whole thing was be discovered by this modeling agency. And they were all like these, oh, kind of tiny people who were like with hope in their eyes, who were like in these skinny black T-shirts and jeans that all had black high heels on. And they were all so hopeful. And I was just feeling so like, oh, my God, this is just awful because in... in Basically, I got out of the elevator and followed them because <laughs> I was interested as a feminist who has to create 52 hours of content a year. And I, I, you know, sometimes you have to follow the story. So I just went in. You're meant to register, but I didn't um, because I had no way of doing that. So I just went in and sat down where they were. And somebody was got up on stage, some young women, and were like... Um, it was kind of the, towards the end of the day, like, if we read your number out, then you're going to come up onto the stage. And, and then they would tell you the modeling agency that had signed you. Modeling is really the cold face of rejection. Because if you're rejected for singing or dancing or acting or something like that, you can say, oh, I'll take another class, or I, maybe I wasn't what they were looking for. But modeling, you're just being rejected for you. It's literally your DNA. Your your, everything about you it's, is being rejected. So I was sitting there going, these children are too young to be rejected. But on the other hand, as a feminist, I was thinking, who am I to say that these young women or girls cannot commodify their bodies in a capitalist world. And I was sitting there having these such complicated feminist thoughts as these numbers were being read out and these young women were like shrieking and getting up and people were applauding them and other ones were sitting there looking so nervous and worried. And just as I was having all these feminist thoughts, what suddenly popped into my head was, maybe they'll read out my number. <laughs> I just had that moment of going, it could still happen. I could still be a teenage model. <laughs> You can't say that that won't happen. I was like, you don't have a number. But it still, it could happen. Like, they bring my name. Say it on the thing, you could be discovered. And I was sitting there going, I mean, bear in mind that I was wearing, I'm just going down for coffee, so I was wearing my coat over my pajamas. <laughs> I'm imagining you, with, that a I'm imagining you having this moment and just going, like, fourth position, shoulders out. <laughs> Essentially, Head yeah. Back. I just went, I can still be a teenage model. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. Oh, man. I'm a feminist, but today I was at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and when I saw a portrait of the Virgin Mary, my first thought was, what's all the commotion over this girl? She's not even cute. <laughs> oh, 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 she, oh, oh, what? She didn't have sex? I'm doing that. It's not my choice, <laughs> but I'm doing it. And where's my exhibit? It's <laughs> a good question. Live from Gramercy Theatre in New York City, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, Anna Einbinder, and Francis Lockett, and Robert Brown, talking about loving the in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Hannah Einbinder, and we're talking about loving yourself as an act of resistance. Um, how are you? I'm well. You've uh, come from LA. I have. I've come from London. Has anyone come from anywhere that isn't New York? Canada. Canada? You know we're coming to Canada. Oh. Oh, you're over. Canada, New York's closer to Canada than Canada? 
<laughs> Explain. Although Canada's big, I get it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hello. Thank you so much for schlepping. I really appreciate it. Uh, did anyone else come from anywhere else? Houston? I feel we should go to tech. I feel like this talk could be retitled Preaching to the Choir. <laughs> I think we're going to all of the states that already understand that feminism is a thing. Uh, I was like, let's go to, you know, Alabama. And they were like, no, you'll be shot. What are you talking about? They're like, we don't have that kind of insurance. I was like, why? But no, there'll be thirsty feminists there. They were like, mm -hmm. there might be, but they'll come to New York. And lo. And lo. I think um, you could turn some people in Alabama. Turn some people in Alabama? Yeah, absolutely. In what way? Well, I think that if you went there, you would be able to create a, a revolution and an uprising of feminism. I, I, I'm inspired by your confidence. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I feel like you need to come with me. You know what, Deborah? It's a trip, and I think. Um... <laughs> okay, I'll let you know how it goes. I'll let you know how it goes. So, have you had a guilty week or a feminist week? Would you say? Um, my week has been quite feminist. I feel like coming to do this show was a, a feminist. Is this the feminist move? part of your week? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Boom. Sure. I'm happy to be of service. <laughs> Thank you. What about you? It's been quite a stressful week because. Up until yesterday morning, I did not know whether I was going to get the O-1 visa and whether this show could happen. Every single day, I know, I feel like I can tell you that now. I can tell you that now, now, now I'm here. But it was not relaxing. Because they kept saying, yes, it is going to be tomorrow. We kept getting, it's fine now. And then it would still not be fine. And a half an hour before I went to the airport, they called saying, you can come and collect it now. It was like, it was, yeah, it was very stressful. But when the, the visa came, it, the visa says that I am an alien of extraordinary ability. An alien of extraordinary ability. Wow. An alien. You know no other country in the world is saying alien now. It's like, it makes you sound like you're from space. But it's also, it's such a negative word. It's like alienation. It's like, it's, you are alien to us. I'm thinking you should retire that word as soon as you retire Trump. I yeah. think, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not a great word. It's, it's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what we say, but I think it's like visitor. That's, that seems polite. That seems nice, right? Guest. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Special and it's, guest. It's ironic for a country of people who are actually aliens in this country and did colonize this actual country to refer to other people as aliens, no? Yeah. Not really, not really funny, sort of sad, but no. uh, hey, you know, guys? I feel like it was the British that colonized it, though, so I don't really feel... I feel but then, I'm, but then I feel I'm standing at a large glass house. Yes, you... Yeah. But, well, but wouldn't you be a part of the people who kind of hung back? Well, not really, because my family in the main went to Australia. And, yeah. Okay. Yeah. But... So maybe it was a guilty no, week actually, now that I think of actually, it. They sort were... of a guilty past 200, 300 uh, years. Oh, oh, I'm getting deep yeah, into it. Yeah. Oh, man. History. Now, yeah. what do you think of that topic, loving yourself as an act of resistance? Well, when you told me that we would be talking about loving yourself, I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> I mean, ladies and fellas, you get it, right? I mean, like, I'm a comic, and a lot of the foundation of... Um, why anyone becomes a comic is like a desperate need for external affirmation that they cannot give themselves. Too real, too quick? <laughs> Strap in, folks. Um, so I was like, self-love, self-love. Uh, I, um, I did a face mask. That's not, 
it. I I feel like that's more of a self-care. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Although, although I feel like self-care now has just become an excuse for people to cancel with short notice with no, <laughs> yeah. with no apology. Yeah. It's like self-care. It's like really? Or you just don't want to come. Yeah. Is that just me? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably not allowed to say that as a feminist. Does anyone else secretly think it, though? Yes. Does anyone else think self-care is sometimes abused? Sometimes, yes. Everything's abused. Everything's, everything can be abused. It's not... I wouldn't want to go back to the days before self-care, where you could never say it, but also I think it needs to settle down a bit. Sure. Agreed. Um, but self-love is much harder. It is. Because we've been trained to do a certain amount of self-loathing. Absolutely. Just everybody because of capitalism. Sure. But then women more. Yes, yes. And I do think it's definitely an act of resistance. And we'll talk more about that when the guests come out. I do sure. think I do think it's a power act. I've definitely learned to love myself more doing this podcast. I think I've been educated by a lot of women on the show. Yeah. And then you kind of feel embarrassed if you don't live up to it. <laughs> and I think actually setting embarrassing deadlines slash consequences for yourself is a great way to live. Absolutely. I healthy. absolutely believe Very that. Healthy. If you just tell people it's happening and you invite them, you have to have something. That's how I've done virtually everything I've ever done in my life, is just go, it's happening on the 12th. And then between now and the 12th, you panic towards it. Most of it's done on the 11th. Right. And it just has to happen, which is really how I got the O1 visa, is just setting up this show. That's what happened. Are we ready for some stand-up comedy? Please welcome to the stage the incredible Hannah Einbinder. Good evening. By a round of applause, how many of you here tonight genuinely believe that you are a good person? Okay, seems a bit high. Um, <laughs> Look, folks, I, I know for a fact that I am not a, a good person. I, I'm really only a good person on paper. You know, like, I'm a vegan, I drive a Prius, I voted for Bernie. But I, I didn't do any of those things out of the goodness of my heart. You know, <laughs> you think I'm a vegan because I care about the lives of innocent, voiceless animals slaughtered every day? No. I'm a vegan because I wanted to reduce my risk of getting cancer, but didn't want to give up huffing paint. <laughs> Do you think I drive a Prius because I care about the environment? 25 bucks for the whole tank and a tax write-off, my guy, money. <laughs> You think I voted for Bernie because he'd been on the right side of history since the beginning of his political career and that a Sanders presidency would uplift the most neglected and deserving Americans on the dollar of the 1% and evil corporations? No. I voted for him because he had the best body. Anybody ever done DMT? <laughs> All right. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, DMT is a psychedelic chemical released in all of our brains when we die. 
That was nice of God to throw that in there, huh? He was like, yeah, you know, unfortunately, human beings, you guys do all eventually have to die, but uh, <laughs> right before you do, you're gonna fucking live. <laughs> Me, I don't do drugs much anymore because I smoked Los Angeles chronic marijuana four plus times a day during vital stages of my brain's development. <laughs> so I am what scientists and doctors have referred to in several articles as uh, ruined. <laughs> and you know, you know, my friends, they try to get me to do mushrooms and acid with them. They say that it will expand my mind. Okay, the other day I saw a spider's web with drops of rainwater caught in it, and I stared at it so long I was an hour and a half late to work. <laughs> My boss said, Hannah, this is unacceptable. I expect more from you. I said, Miss Valdez. The spider's web is more than just a habitat for the spider. It is designed by nature as a mechanism for death, designed to kill. But what finds itself trapped in the spider's web but water, the essence of life? I looked up from the spider's web and saw the sun shining through a leaf on a tree, causing it to wither and fall to the earth, dead, where ironically the tree couldn't have grown in the first place were it not for the very same sun responsible for the leaf's death. If I try acid, I will never come back. <laughs> I smoked all that weed to take the edge off of the 40 milligrams of Adderall I took every day for six years. And I'd tell you folks not to try it at home, but baby, that's where I tried it. So, I will never forget going on Adderall. The school, they brought my mother in, they said she's failing math and science, and you have two options. One, you do nothing, and she fails the class. But she goes on as a carefree little girl with a zest for life. <laughs> or two, she'll pass the class. If you give her a dose of meth every morning at dawn. <laughs> and I'll never forget my mother. I'll never forget. She said, I'm sorry, I, I, I don't understand. I, did you just say that... <laughs> Did you just say that she'd pass the class? <laughs> and when you have ADD and ADHD, everyone tells you that you should meditate in an attempt to gain some sense of mental control. But because I have ADD and ADHD, every time I tried to meditate, the inside of my brain sounds like this.
So I don't do it. I'm bisexual. Um, I, yep, yeah, hello. We are everybody, right? We're all. Um, <laughs> come on, people. Uh, I am. I'm bisexual. I prefer, though, to date women. Men, to me, are like Las Vegas. I show up. I lose everything that I came with. I vow never to return again. And then six months later, I'm like, let's go to Vegas. Boy, privacy is uh, hard to come by these days, wouldn't you say, folks? Wouldn't you say? I mean, it's like you can't even sit in front of a fountain with your head in your hands, rocking back and forth, <laughs> sobbing, without somebody coming up, taking a picture, and captioning it, current mood. You just... Can't get a moment alone. And I, I think social media has a lot to do with this. So I'll give you an example. I heard a young woman on the phone the other day. Her conversation proves my point. So did I tell you Mila and invited me to her birthday brunch? Yeah, no, I know, like fully criminal. It was all set up and then the night before she calls me and goes, sorry, Sav, I think I'm just gonna go with my parents. I mean, I was pissed, but I didn't say anything. Anyway, the next day, guess who's in the background of Kate's Snapchat story at 1.27 p.m. at Catch in West Hollywood? <laughs> this bitch, there's more. Instagram, 2 p.m. Kate uploads a picture of the two of them with the caption, happy birthday to my BFF heart star champagne emoji. It gets worse. Facebook Live, 3 48 to 359. They're taking shots, giggling, and responding to people in the live comments. Did she think I wasn't going to see it? <laughs> you know, folks, I, I like to think that if the same situation had occurred in, say, the year 1935, <laughs> it would have sounded more like this. Hello, Maude. Oh, hiya, Blanche. Say, what's the news fit to print? Listen, Maude, you remember that little soiree we had planned, don't you? Oh, sure. He's throwing that little red number hot dog. Well, honey, mommy and daddy say no can do. Save you better just the three of us. Oh, that's just fine, Blanche. Just fine indeed. Well, so long, so long. And that's it. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it was like being a woman in the 30s, and I don't claim to, but I have cried while washing the dishes before, and I think that's close. <laughs> Did that joke in Ohio, and a woman stood up and said, and laundry. <laughs> <laughs> and I let her, because women get to heckle me all they want. I'm, who am I to silence a voice of a sister? And that is, uh, that is my time. Thank you so much. out uh, and there are yet there are seats no no I'm not bragging I'm just saying there are seats empty so people are gonna come in late and just I don't know in England we just tut and like roll our eyes what do New York feminists do I don't know what do you do steal the seats good yes
by all means, if anyone wants a better seat, there are four seats down here. There's a B5, B7, B9 that's just sitting there and nobody's in them. So, you know, I don't know. They might come late. I don't know. I've never, ever performed a sold-out show where all the seats have been sat in. I don't know what people do. It's so extravagant, isn't it, to just buy a seat and be like, fuck it. I'm not going. I feel these people are more guilty than feminist. You know, that's... I never know. I, I, I can actually generally tell if people are more guilty or more feminist. There are definitely two tribes that come to this, the, the guilty and the feminist. Just give us a cheer if you think you're more feminist. Give us a cheer if you think you're more guilty. You're so happy about it. Are you drunk right now? <laughs> yeah, a little bit, absolutely. Uh, so thank you for coming out. Uh, it's a recording, so if you could put your phone on aeroplane rather than silent, thank you very much. Um, you're not doing it, sir. You just like, no. You don't have a phone? <gasps> wow. Okay, the whole show is now us interviewing you about what your life is like. You live in like 1994. What, what's it like? What do you mean you don't have a cell phone? That's not a thing. I don't understand. How do you live, though? Because I... You know, yeah, but are you, if we arrange to meet, are you just going to expect me to show up at the right time? Are you going to ask me to make arrangements and stick to them, sir? Because I think that's... You're busy enough? You don't want to have coffee with me? That's so rude. I would never say I didn't want to have coffee with you. Okay. I think I've just organised a date. I don't, I don't understand how this has happened. Is he with you? I'm so sorry, this is very rude. You are also welcome. Um, it's fine. Speaking of which, uh, some people have paid for a meet and greet afterwards. There's some kind of VIP meet and greet situation. When I found out that this had been sold, I felt very awkward and embarrassed because I did not feel it was very feminist to say that some feminists were very important people and the others were just people. Like, the bedrock of feminism is not charging people to meet you, I feel like. If you have paid to meet me, I'm very flattered, but you have wildly misunderstood how accessible I am. You do not need to pay. I, I will talk to anyone very happily in the foyer. I, I didn't get successful very quickly, so I'm still very excited anyone wants to meet me at all. So I'm just delighted to meet anybody, and please never feel you have to pay to meet me. If you have paid, um, it was too late to do anything about it for this show. There's some kind of line downstairs where you all have to line up like I'm the queen. <laughs> or it's a wedding and I have to meet you all and then have a photo with you. So I, what I would like to do is give you your money back as I meet you. Um, but I cannot do that for logistical reasons. So I'm just going to donate the money to the Bushfire Fund in Australia. Um, it's such a terrible situation out there right now, and they really need the money. So, um, and I only tell you that I'm donating it there so that you think that I'm an incredible human being. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, donate more money. They really need it. But there was something that happened on the plane. So I was on the plane yesterday, coming here to New York from London, and this lovely young woman came up to me on the plane when we were in the air and just went, I just need to tell you, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I really love your podcast, and I'm actually coming back early from a family vacation in London to New York, because I'm coming to see both your shows. And I was like, oh my God, that's so lovely. And we got chatting and she said, yeah, I'm actually going to meet you again tomorrow night because I've paid for the VIP meet and greet. 
And I was like, well, you've really wasted your money because we're having a lovely chat now. <laughs> or this will be $50, thank you. Uh, and uh, anyway, so we got chatting. We had a lovely conversation. And then she went to go back to her seat. And what was awkward was that she was in a better class of the plane than I was. <laughs> and I was like, this is the first time anyone's come backwards on a plane to like meet a celebrity. <laughs> and I was like, again, very accessible. And I was like, I don't want you to think my management are cheap. They actually had booked me a business class fare, but my flight got switched to the last minute, so I got bumped back. But it was awkward. It was very awkward. But she gave me this card, and uh, she said, I've just written this card to you to tell you about you know, what the podcast means to me. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so lovely. Anyway, off she goes, and I open the card, and the card says, if I hadn't met you, I'd still be swiping left. And I was like, I think this is an invitation to join the Mile High Club <laughs> from a fan. This is the kind of thing that happens to Mick Jagger or Harry Styles. This is so exciting. And then I opened it up and inside it said, I bought this card for my boyfriend, but when I saw you on the plane, I repurposed it. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, oh my God, that's so disappointing. And anyway, Caroline, are you in? Hey. Is this your boyfriend? Oh, does she make you come to feminist comedy a lot? This is the first time. Is this how you're finding out she's a feminist? You hidden, hidden it from him up until now. It does scare them off. How old is the relationship? Four years. Okay, so. What, what was that? Was that a shock to somebody? Four years! Somebody's angry. You've made it last four years in New York. Bullshit. I don't believe you. Well, thank you so much for coming. Do you listen to the podcast as well? Yes. Do you? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm a feminist, but I always give men more brownie points <laughs> for engaging in feminists. Does anyone else do that? It just, it really demonstrates how little men have to do. It's like, <laughs> yes, I have listened to the show. Oh my God, marry him now. <laughs> I don't think a man can be a guilty feminist. I, could, I think a man can only be a smug feminist. <laughs> Because men tell you they're a feminist the way they tell you they've done the dishes. It's like, and I'm a feminist. I vacuumed. It's so little, so little. They have to pick up their own baby and look at it. And everyone's like, oh my God. He's, he's a father. Look what a great father he is. He holds his own child aloft. Anyway, I'm sure you're lovely, Caroline's boyfriend. You don't need a name. No, come on. Women are known as somebody's wife for decades. It's You'll be fine. Um. Hello, Guilty Feminists. I just wanted to let you know that Global Pillage Adversity-based comedy panel show is back. You can come and be in the hive mind of the audience and shout out answers if you want, or you can just buzz at the right time and back the right horse. It's a really, really fun afternoon, 4 p.m., on the 21st of March, the 4th and 5th of April. It's always a weekend after lunch, but before your big party. And comedians we've got this season include Desiree Birch, Athena Kablenu, Kimar Bob, Alison Spittle, Olga Koch, and Johnny Cochran, who you'll remember from the Fatherhood episode. Check out who's on what date at globalpillage.net. And after the show, I'll be right there if you'd like to get a selfie or get your book signed. 
somewhere a little bit bigger is Wembley Arena and I will be playing it ridiculously. Hello, Wembley on the 23rd of April as part of the Comic Relief Spectacular. Other comedians on the bill that night include Sindhu V, Catherine Ryan and Susie Ruffle. It is going to be spectacular as the name suggests and all the proceeds go to Comic Relief. If you could come and support me while I play Wembley Arena, that'd be ace. Thank you very much. Please buy tickets. And our UK tour kicks off on the 1st of May at the Hammersmith Apollo in London. We're going all over the UK. Those that came last year know it was immense. We will have various comedians in various locations, musicians. It's a really, really big, spectacular night. It won't be recorded. It is a live show only. So get your tickets now at guiltyfeminist.com. And my film, Say My Name, is now available to buy or rent on UK iTunes and YouTube. Check out guiltyfeminist.com for links. I'd love you to watch it and send me a tweet and let me know what you thought. And finally, our merch store is open. And it has T-shirts, notebooks, aprons, all sorts of things with great slogans on. They make great presents and great presents for yourself. And proceeds go into our pot for good things. Buy them there as well as my book, The Guilty Feminist. And now back to the podcast. Our guest today is a writer, organiser and educator, interim exec director of Urban World NYC and poetry coordinator at St. Francis College. Her CV goes on and on. You don't say CV here, do you? Her resume goes on and on. <laughs> She's an incredible performance poet. She does all sorts of incredible uh, social things. She's also uh, founder of the Woke Baby Book Fair. I mean, I can't think of anything more exciting. Uh, we're going to hear her perform some poetry right now. Please welcome to the microphone, Mahogany L. Brown. What's up, Brooklyn? Um, I wrote this poem uh, after watching a lot of reality TV. I noticed the stereotyped character and I didn't see myself all the time. So this is me reclaiming my space or as Maxine Waters say, reclaiming my time. This is black girl magic. <clears throat> they say you ain't supposed to be here, black girl. You ain't supposed to wear red lipstick. You ain't supposed to wear high heels. You ain't supposed to smile in public. You ain't supposed to smile nowhere, black girl. You ain't supposed to be no more than a girlfriend. You ain't supposed to get married. You ain't supposed to want no dream that big. You ain't supposed to dream at all. You ain't supposed to do nothing but carry babies and carry felons and carry weeds and carry silence and carry families and carry confusion and carry a nation, but never an opinion. Cause you ain't supposed to have nothing to say, black girl, not unless it's a joke. Cause you ain't supposed to love yourself, black girl. You ain't supposed to find nothing worth saving in all that brown. You ain't supposed to know that Tina, Beyonce, Cecily, Shonda, Rhymes, shine, 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 black girl. You ain't supposed to love your mind. You ain't supposed to love. 
You ain't supposed to be loved up on you, only supposed to pose voodoo child. Vixen side, you're supposed to pop out babies and hide the stretch marks. You're supposed to be still. So still they think you statue. So still they think you chalked outline. So still they keep thinking you stone. Until you look more Medusa than Viola Davis. Until your son more Shanae than Kerry Washington. Until you're more side-eyed than Michelle Obama on the Tuesday, but you tell them you are more than a hot comb in a washing set. You are Kunta Kinte's kin. You are a black girl worth remembering, and you are a threat knowing yourself. You are a threat loving yourself. You are a threat loving your kin. You are a threat loving your children. You black girl magic. You black girl fly. You black girl bring it. You black girl wonder. You black girl shine. You black girl bloom. You black girl, black girl, and you turning into a beautiful black woman right before our eyes thank you thank you mahogany that was magnificent thank you thank woo <laughs> is that how you make them do it? You just go, woo! <laughs> I did not know you could do that. I didn't know that was a button you could press. I'm going uh, to so try. Uh, woo. <laughs> it works. Still works. It, yeah, still it's works. true. It still works. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so the theme of our discussion today came about because I watched uh, you perform this poem. And I had this idea, because it feels like such a poem of resistance and defiance and rebellion but it's really about self-love. And I was thinking about that idea that women are so often made to loathe ourselves just by lots and lots and lots of messaging. And then, of course, at the intersection of women of color and queer women, disabled women, gender queer women, any of those intersections, how do you find that place or that strength to have cast that off in the way that you express in the poem? Hmm. It's funny because it's a daily ritual, right? Um, Lucille Clifton had an amazing poem where she says, come celebrate with me today. Something has tried to kill me and has failed. And every day is a small death. I think as women, we're always, we're noticing I don't fit this size. I don't have this hair color. I don't have this hair texture. I don't have this economic status. So you're constantly fighting that every day. And what better way to win than to take a selfie, right? What better way to win than to love up on your friends? What better way to win than to constantly uh, engage with the things that you love about yourself and that your family loves about you, even amidst all of the things telling you to run? So it is a constant daily practice of affirmation, reclamation, taking up space. It feels like church, you could say amen. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but but it's, it's, I, I don't wanna pretend that it's easy because um, I'm 40 again and <laughs> the work happened this morning. I couldn't put this damn jumpsuit on. Hannah and Anna helped me put it on. <laughs> And that's how I got here today. But it's a constant, constant uh, trudging forward to assure that you, you take up space, you belong here. I think it's because you, you, you get the messaging every day and, and you have to kind of keep unlearning it. And I think the reason that the beauty ideals are so difficult to reach or impossible to reach, that your choices are really Jennifer Aniston, 
Jennifer Lopez or Beyonce, like be one of those. But those women cannot live up to their own billboards. There's right. absolutely, so there's no chance of you living up to it. And right. while you're trying to live up to it, and actually also I always think the closer you get to it, the more you almost hate yourself for not being able to make that last gap. It's almost like we have to turn to each other to create a new beauty ideal, which I think actually, as pernicious as a lot of social media is, is sort of what Instagram's done. I think I've changed what I think beautiful looks like by following different people. And I have shed quite a lot of self-loathing from just following women who have big butts. I mean, that's just, I'm like, and who like pose the whole time, like being like, look at my butt. And I'm like, oh, and I've st- it, it, at some point, that wallpaper wears off on you and you start to think that's, that's your new normal. And Big butts have always been my normal. So, <laughs> so I'm ha- welcome. Thank you. Welcome home. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, also, Shiv from Succession, because I remember when I used to watch Annie McBeal back in the noughties, and all of the white women were so sylph-like, but she had this really super hot black roommate who was curvaceous, but there was never an image of a white woman who was curvaceous on the television ever. And uh, Shiv from Succession's ass needs its own Emmy. And I'm like, oh. I mean, the real fight is how do you just love what you have, right? What does it mean to just walk around uh, well, I live in Brooklyn, and it's a pre-war place, and I have cats because I don't like mice, but <laughs> when I want to feel my sexiest, I like wear rain boots and boy shorts. And look, whatever you have, whatever is your you, like, that is enough. Like, when do we get there, right? Because Ally McBeal can be fly. Her flatmate can be fly. Jennifer Lewis is fly. And so is Viola Davis. Like, there are so many variations of women. We just don't have enough... Uh, space on the screen for them. Everybody has to follow the names that you named. And that's where the problem is because we don't have variation. But variation is here in this room, in our lives. But I think actually one thing the internet has done is that we've started to control the means of production in terms of the cosmetic... uh, The cosmetic standard has changed because of that. And then brands have got behind that and started to say, oh, we're super fat positive. And it's like, are you? There, yeah, there's or something. Can you now? Do you think you can it's sell almost, things? It's kind of yeah, absolutely. It's like it's, I don't really it's mind like all of the it, all like Bank of America having like Pride logos. It's like oh my god, is this we are here? It's similar and it's crazy because it also kind of creates this shame. I'll speak just for myself. Like when I see all of this, all of, uh, you know, empowerment being used as branding, it sort of kind of. Uh, makes me feel discouraged for not being there already because they're seeing the trend and they're using it and I see it and I'm like, damn, I'm nowhere near that in certain ways. And I get confused by it because I think this is... A friend of mine was saying, oh, you know, now Nike's doing plus sizes and they were like... She was like, I'm not buying it because they weren't there for us before they could see a commercial incentive. But I'm like, but isn't that what we wanted? Didn't we want teenagers to be able to just go into Nike no matter what size they were? So don't we have to... Like, sometimes we fight, and then we we get what we wanted, and then we go, you don't have the right motives. Yeah, better late Uh, than never, I guess. But I'm sort of like, I don't really care why they do it. I want them to do it. And yes, of course, Bank of America don't really care about pride. Yeah. But the fact that... It's it's a very tricky situation, because you don't want pride to get taken over by Bank of America. Right. But... 
Oh, yeah, yeah, hot take. We, hot we take we over don't. there. We really don't. But also, I want people who work for Bank of America to have an LGBTQ plus network. Right. I don't want the change that we fought for while we are living in a capitalist society, which we super are, mm. I don't know what the answer to that is. Right. Ex- except to not allow authentic change to get swallowed up into capitalist change. Even sh- I'm not sure that was worth applauding. I'm not sure what I meant. No, that, no, that was good. That Thank was you. good. Okay, well, but that's also why the it. internet is so dangerous because while we are like, yay, we finally have all of these other identities represented, we also have... Did you guys see this internet ad about butt cream? Which helps no. you, yeah. it helps you plump your butt. Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm just here for the team. Um, but you have those people, like you're saying, mm. they're like, are you really here for us? So it's, it's going to take us working on both sides. It takes us standing there and saying, we need representation, but also you can't bank on us. Like you can't play on our insecurities mm-hmm. uh, to want to love ourselves. And or you can't just play create on... new insecurities for different women. Exactly. <laughs> it's right. like big butts come in and then, then women with small butts are like, I've got to have one of those. It's like, no, that wasn't the point. The point wasn't that. The right. point was butts are lovely. Yes. In all of their ways. Just let them be. And let or. Be, let it be the thing that it is. Yes. You don't have to change it into another thing, but someone will always try and sell you that. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I was thinking about this in terms of comedy as well. Because there's so much discussion at the moment as to what... Uh, you know, uh, well, you can't say anything now, or comedians discussing what is appropriate. And I've heard, just there was a, so many discussions lately of times were different then. You could say different things then. I feel very awkward when I hear that because I always think, 
there was a time that was a lot more hurtful and violent to marginalized people. When people say it's only a joke, jokes are the way we shape our worldview. And so racist jokes that were made in comedy clubs reinforced a worldview that allowed people to be insulting on a scale to violent to people of color. So yeah, it was a different time then. It was a much worse time then. It wasn't that it wasn't hurtful then and it is now. It was that the people to whom it was hurtful had no voice to respond. I'm writing a new book called um, In on the Joke because I think often the power is amongst the people who are in on the joke because jokes are a place to exclude and include. And the question I think is who's included in your joke and who's excluded by your joke. Um, How do you find it? Because you're on the circuit now. You're on the comedy circuit. How do you find this topic? Well, um, I think that uh, when it comes to what you can and can't say, obviously a lot of people are uh, frustrated. A lot of uh, mostly uh, white guys are frustrated (laughs) um, about what you can and can't say. And my feeling is simply in writing a joke, you have to have an original take. You have to, it has to be funny, um, (laughs) for sure. And to think that uh, blatant shock is inherently humor is just not gonna pass anymore. And it's quite sad to see people getting uh, frustrated over that. Like young comics coming up who want to do shock humor and then feeling frustrated that they can't. Yeah, because if you respected the people who are telling you that it's just not okay anymore, it would be an easy adjustment, but not respecting it kind of tells me that they don't care. Oh, they definitely don't care. But it's a bit like Nike. I'm like, I don't really care why you're doing it. I care that you stop the harmful behavior. Right. I don't give a fuck why you're doing it. A lot of young men will stop telling those jokes because they're not going to have their career advance anymore. Um, that's the reason a lot of men have stopped sexually harassing in the workplace because they realize that they're going to get fired. Right. I don't care. I don't care. I just want them not to... I want them to stop. I want the culture to change. And when they say, oh, well, you know, I'm uncomfortable now. I don't even know how to uh, talk to a woman anymore. It's like, I don't know what's a compliment and what's sexual harassment. If you don't know the difference between compliment and sexual harassment and you admit that, don't make any compliments at all. Right. Like, there's... They're, you don't yeah. know what you're doing. You're not, you're not safe with a compliment. That's your next book. That's your third book. Right. And yeah, then... it's not, you're not safe with a compliment. <laughs> don't be shooting off compliments because you don't know the difference between that and harassment. The danger, really? the danger feels like there are so many successful comedians who are able to cross into difficult territory and be controversial. And they're able to do it in the way I'm talking about, in an original way, having a new take, having a well-written structure, proving their point, etc. And they are doing it well. Like, big comics do that well. They've always done that. But then newer people or other people or anyone, they see that and they use that excuse to justify poorly written, unoriginal material. And it's like, like, example, someone will say something awful, the crowd will wince, and then a comedian will be like, oh, you guys are pussies. It's like, dude, no, that just isn't a good joke. You know? My fear is more for the great crafts people, the great craftsmen of jokes who are excellent at crafting and telling a joke, but the joke alienates or victimizes a group. I don't worry. In fact, something that I say to young comics who are coming up, who are, I see them doing really horrible rape jokes or something in an open mic situation. If you're not a very good comic, 
it doesn't really matter what you say because your jokes won't be sticky and people in the audience won't laugh at them and therefore they will have no power. So if you're not funny, you can say anything because your jokes won't shift a worldview and they won't help create a worldview. If you're good, if you're a good comic, then you have to worry about what you're saying mm. because what you say can make the world a better place or a worse place. Uh, because if you tell a rape joke and there are men in the audience who uh, feel that their attitude towards women is validated, that can actually have violent effects on the real outside world. Right. So only really worry about the impact of your jokes if you're any good. And then I find <laughs> always, always those young men will go, oh, well, actually, yeah, I got a really good review. In this. <laughs> and so they're saying I'm like a new, young, up-and-coming Louis C.K. <laughs> and... Um, so I'm like, yeah, you should really look at your material and see who it's alienating and who it's including. I don't care about anyone who isn't good because I don't think people who aren't good have power. As awful as Trump is at everything he does, he is good at influencing people somehow. He's a great bully. Right. He's an excellent right. bully. And honestly, bullies, they're quite boring because you know when the hit is coming. So I'm just ready for us to like get the hell over it and just like call him on his, on his shit. Right. Can I say shit? Seriously. We broke stopped right. We stopped watching The Apprentice because how many times can someone get fired? Oh, this is boring. Like, racism, boring. Sexism, boring. Rape jokes, trash. Like if we just start saying boring, boring, Bad sex, boring. Like, we don't even get involved in these things anymore because if we just say, I tap out, I want my chips back, I feel like, you know, the tables will turn. Yeah, no, uh, I hear that. I want a refund. Um, how are, and I really hesitate to say this as I've just got my O-1 visa, but how, how... <laughs> How? See that extraordinary oh, it ability. It can be revoked. The thing is, what I've been told is they look at what you tweet. Seriously, they do look at what you tweet. And I did actually make a sort of... I, I, did, I tweeted, I was like, I don't care. Trump but would never get in. They do care about what you tweet, but they won't listen to a whole podcast. So if, you, but, so if you're <laughs> going to say something about Trump, say it like late. Say it like late, because they're not going to listen to the whole thing. So I'm going for it now. <laughs> going for it. How, how are you not going to have this president re-elected and how can we help canvas? I think... Like uh, tarpaulin? Liberal or? people. I think liberal people uh, need to canvas and go to the areas that our side has sort of looked on as mm -hmm. the, quote, flyover states, you know? We, we sort of assume that everyone's going to be on our page and that clearly is not the case. And so it's important to go into those areas do the guilty feminist in Alabama and like, you know, go, like to Alabama. go to those places because those people are real. They vote. They're alive. They're out there. You know, we have to have, as our former president Barack Obama said, we have to have hope. We cannot let that go. You know, it's, it's up to us to really have the conversation and we have to be understanding with these people that seem so different from us. You know, like we can't, Tell them they're bad people. That's the number one way to shut down a conversation. Liberals have to be patient with, or white liberals who, like, who can be allies and like do that work so that people of color don't have to like exhaust that 
even more than they already do. You know, like it's up to, I think, white liberals to really go out there and try to look at these people and calmly reason with them. So do we need more people going into state to try and like literally doorstop people and try and persuade yeah. people? Yeah. I think we need like persuasion classes because I think sure. it's so easy to get angry really quickly. Yeah, if you sign up with the DSA, uh, uh, yeah, you can... They, they like, give you those classes? Yeah, like Bernie, for example. <laughs> Not that I'm like making any suggestions, but like I do when know about When you said the Bernie had the best body, I spat my water out. Thank you so much. <laughs> when, I, when I'm prepared, I am funny. Um, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, I think we do. We do but need he persuasion. Did have the best body. No, sure. But we do need persuasion classes. We need to learn skills, I think, for this. I've sort of taught myself some skills doing this. Like, I try and come back to what can we agree on, what can we agree on. But it's mostly with other liberals because I find myself arguing with other liberals sure. far more than I. I agree. No, I agree. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the way that the left will tear itself apart. Like, if this country. <laughs> needs to get behind one candidate, one candidate who can win. They won't, they will, they will yeah. tear each other apart and they will take each other down. Everyone needs to say, this is just one go around. We need to get behind a winner. We will all pull back, like have no democratic primary. Yeah, just, absolutely. just go out with one winner, everyone get behind so that it isn't the end of the world. Anybody it's not gonna him. happen because people are incredibly selfish. But, and, and the problem with the left is that we're always arguing ideology, the right, just care about money. So it's like, can this make me a dollar ninety-nine or not? People are pretty quick to agree. The left, we can't agree because we can't agree on ideology. I feel like you might know mahogany how to fix this. Please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you I have a poem that helps? <laughs> <laughs> I have a poem about meditation, um, but <laughs> I don't think that's gonna work today, yeah. guys. I don't think it's gonna be the one. I think what Hannah said is absolutely correct. I think our allies and our accomplices need to go into these spaces and talk to their, cause some of these people are their families and they're just like, mm -hmm. I don't wanna have that conversation at Thanksgiving dinner. It's oh. an uncomfortable. And I'm like, yes, it's going to school with them is uncomfortable. Uh, not being able to work with them is uncomfortable. And that is your family. So maybe you have a little more investment in uh, what the world will look like tomorrow for our young people, for uh, the manatees and the dolphins and that pretty little house you wanna have in Berkeley Hills. Maybe you wanna care about that talking to your family. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So having hard conversations, not blocking them online, just go for it, mm -hmm. do it. Um, start sending them things to talk about, those little uh, the, those think pieces. Tim Wise is a great choice. Bernie has great information. Dream Defenders has great information. Elizabeth Warren has great information. I agree. If we could all get behind one person, that would be dope. I would like to get them all in a room and just be like, hey, can we Voltron this shit real quick? You take this, you take this, yeah. you take this, you take that, and let's go kill some shit. Right. Right? Let's kill racism. Let's kill white supremacy. We can do it. Could you make that happen in Alabama? Sure. I, I we'll think, all meet up there. I think the biggest thing we could do is to politicize the apolitical, because I think we keep arguing with the far right and they're never going to come around. But there's most people in this country go on Instagram to look at contouring in cans. And they just like, I don't really know about that stuff. You talk that's to so people sad. and they're just like, I don't know about, yeah. I don't know about this stuff. I'm not a political person. Yeah. But they're basically a compassionate person. And I feel like the trick might be 
to activate compassion in compassionate people who don't think they're political. Rather than spending 10 hours trying to win round somebody who has already decided that they're getting a tattoo of Trump before the next election, fuck those people and go to the people in the middle who do not really know or haven't really engaged about climate change, racism, rabid homophobia and transphobia that is bubbling up all over the world now and start to politicize the apolitical. I really think that might be it. And we can do that. We're all journalists now. I really feel like we can do that. But we have to find cooler, funner ways. Like, we can't keep posting sad articles. We have to work out what is our carpool karaoke. And I feel like everybody here must have, like, a carpool karaoke in them. You know, something that's really super accessible that we can put messages into to politicize the apolitical. I really think that might be what it is. And it might be the only thing. But we have to do it super quickly. Everybody start now. <laughs> Before we go, do you have anything to plug? Anything you need people to do, look at, buy? Yes, look up Woke Baby. It is currently um, being chased around by Trump supporters. They call it a children's book that is raising too many liberals. It is available at Target, on Amazon, your local bookstore, Woke Baby. We have a book fair March 13th in Brooklyn at Center for Fiction. Amazing. Are they suggesting they want the babies to be fascist? What do they want? Fascist babies? They want angry baby. <laughs> Shitty baby. <laughs> Racist baby? Racist baby. I don't get it. It's too early. Um, Hannah, do you have anything to plug? Um, vote for Bernie Sanders. No. Um, <laughs> do you have a Twitter account um, we can I follow? I do, yeah. Uh, my name is Hannah Einbinder, and that's where I, you know, that's me everywhere. And um, yeah, I, uh, keep on the lookout for, uh, I just did a set on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, so that's gonna come out and then just watch Yay. it, I guess. Thank you. Um, and before I do the closing titles, I would just like to do a plug for Fire Island because I went to Fire Island this summer just for one night to see a show and every single friend I made on Fire Island is here tonight. <laughs> Yeah. Can I recommend, I was literally not even there for 24 hours, can I recommend going to Fire Island and just like being open to the full Wizard of Oz experience where you will meet friends along the way and the real Fire Island is the friends you meet along the way and uh, who come back. I would also recommend going there with nowhere to stay and no way of getting back uh, because then you will have to make friends uh, because there will be no other option for you. One of the friends is taking the photos. The other friends are over here. Um, and they took me and my friend in where we had nowhere to stay because we were incompetent. And so I just want to say thank you so much. And I really, truly do recommend it. And I will be going back again because it is a magical land. Also, I was never frightened for a moment on Fire Island, even though I had nowhere to stay. And I did think about it afterwards, and I did think, imagine being on an island where you were the only women, and it was all straight men, and you had nowhere to stay, and how terrifying that would be. So that's just a little shout out to gay men. <laughs> You have been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host, Hannah Einbinder, our very special guest, Mahogany L. Brown, the recording 
because this is the first thing they're going to hear. So if you could sort of replicate that, oh my godness, that would be great. That's too much. That's <laughs> that's unbelievable. Okay, that's not plausible. It needs to be a plausible gasp. So I'm going to go again, and I want a reasonable, plausible. Oh my god, this show nearly didn't happen. But you're not in the bold and the beautiful. Okay, all right. All right. <clears throat> I'm a feminist, but uh, I had a delay on my O-1 working visa, which meant uh, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to come to the United States of America to do this show till yesterday morning. I know. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. That was strong work. 